You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. This week, we're discussing Alec Gardland's directorial debut, Ex Machina. They're coming to get you, Barbara. We're on a mission from God. I'll buy that for a dollar! Welcome to the party, pal! Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Man's got to know his limitations. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Let's put a smile on that face. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Smells like... Victory. This sort of thing has cropped up before. And it has always been due to human error. Welcome to the podcast. Tonight we're going to be discussing Ex Machia. First discuss the movie, give you our thoughts about it. Then we'll take a break, listen to the trailer, come back, and get into a spoiler-filled discussion. I'm Brian. With me as always, Jeremy. Hey. And we have a special guest with us tonight, Mark Williams. Hello. Mark Mark is producer extraordinaire on our film, so he's the one that has to deal with all the headaches of, you really need that in the script? Yeah, it tells the story. And we've known each other since third grade, so... Oh yeah, we go way back. So, Jeremy, I always ask you first, what'd you think of the movie? I like the questions that it poses, uh, you know, the morality issues, and it reminds me a lot of AI and it's Blade Runner in there. Those are always, you know, questions that stick with you anytime you start talking about artificial intelligence, and I think this does take a, a different approach to that answer and what it's what it's stating. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I honestly, the robot chick's hot, so. Wow, you just broached that subject right away, didn't you? So you liked it? You liked the, the things it posed? All right. Yeah, I mean, that you know, the whole, like, just because something has self-awareness, if it's, if it's been programmed to be self-aware, is it alive? Is it still a machine? Will it ever be able to love somebody else? Will it have feelings for someone else? Or is it only programmed to love itself? Uh, you know, there's a lot of layers in the in the questioning in this movie. I think, you know, the answers are all going to come down to, like, how you... Like, how your moral code as a person plays out. I don't want to give a spoiler yet, because we haven't gotten to that part. But if you go into it with the idea that a machine is a machine, and that is your belief your opinion of the outcome of the movie will be different than someone that believes that a machine can become something living. Mark? What'd you think, sir? Uh, well, I mean, that's interesting. But what you say, Jeremy, about um, is a machine capable of living because it's sort of like that opens up a whole discussion on what the definition of machine is. And, you, you know, living this. for that matter. Right. I mean, does a machine, what is living? What is consciousness you know some people say that you know to be self-aware is you're alive but if it's programmed to be self-aware can it have the complex thoughts that humans have about others well that's another thing this movie touches on is like are the thoughts humans have even that complex right i mean there's so much going on here just even down to the level of, and this is slightly spoiler touching, but you know, even down to the level of how much, how easily people are manipulated via sexuality and what they're attracted to, it does kind of hint that you know maybe we're not as sophisticated as we think we are. Uh, you know, it plays on the whole: if you create something, you are its god, so you have the control over when you can turn it off. It asks a lot of questions and it makes you think a lot about your own view on things. Yeah, yeah it does and the movie is very the movie's very ambiguous with how it it's it presents things. It presents both sides. Yeah, it well, just shows all you, sides like all 20 sides. Yeah. And like the characters are smart enough in the film too like when you figure out something out and you're like, "Ah, oh, well wait a minute, what about this?" It's you know, they'll, beautifully acted. Like, yeah, they'll bring that. They'll bring the characters. Will call that out. Who's the guy that plays the uh, the rich dude? The oh, that's uh, Oscar Isaac's. Yeah, like I thought he did a fantastic job. Or Oscar Isaac. I mean, he's a funny character. He's he's quirky. He does have some funny moments in this movie. <laughs> and as always, like talking without giving away spoilers is really hard. 
<laughs> I think we can say is is like one big flaw. It's pretty it's pretty early on in the movie. You, you get it like in his introduction scene is that he's he has an alcohol problem. He is the definition of an but alcoholic. Is it a flaw or is it a setup? I mean, like, I- well, that's another thing this movie does. It's very like it, it bends genres a little bit. Like, it's not just a pure science fiction film. It's science fiction in the. It's not just there to entertain. Like, and it is entertaining. Like, don't don't take that statement wrong. But it's it also makes you think. You're you're not gonna leave the theater and just be like, oh wow, Captain Kirk saved the day today. And you, you know, if you got friends that went to see it with you and y'all are discussing, you're going to talk about some pretty heavy issues. But one of the things that sort of makes it fit in like today's world, this film, one of the like concrete building blocks of the world it creates and it exists in, is based on something that didn't exist 20 years ago, which is like the connectivity of every human being. On right, Earth. that it- did not exist 20 years ago. I mean, that's even the reason, like, that's the main character's thing. He's, like, the CEO of a Google knockoff, whatever whatever they call it in this movie. Right. Blue Book. Yes, that's it. Yeah, Blue Book. So, if you're talking about AI in this film, it's like, there's a lot of plausibility to it just being organic and constantly from where it gets its information, you know? And the idea that, you know, by, you know, a search engine like, Google or Blue Book in the movie, not only being able to pattern, you know, what people want to buy and what they might shop for, but using that that information of what people search for to create a personality because now we know how people's thought patterns work. It's an interesting way to look at, you know, the internet and well you don't even know how they work. It's basically just some algorithm being created constantly over and over and over. No one knows. So by by saying that it's sort of complex is almost like doing it a disservice. It's so much more elegant. What what do you mean elegant? Just the interconnectivity of every single person that types something into Google constantly that will never stop. It gets beyond a complexity that the human brain can comprehend. It just becomes an elegance. Just something that you cannot describe, but you realize it is fantastic in its scale. Just by doing everyday Google searches, we all... Those are all thought patterns that you had that made you go to Google and go, well, I'm interested in this. And the movie makes a point of that, you know, a lot of these major corporations are using those, using that information to figure out, like, better ways to send advertising to, you know, Mark's going to look at music stuff, so I'm going to pop up a bunch of music stuff on his Google page. But it's, not, you know, like the movie points out that that's not just what it can be used for. I mean, it's... It's kind of a scary thought when you think about, like, how much of yourself are you giving away every time you go on Google? Yeah, there's a scene at the end of the movie where that's got kind of a horrifying realization with one character. Is Yeah, there's even a throwaway. What his, what his information's been stolen. There's even a throwaway line in the movie where he says, well, it, I just turned on every cell phone in the world and mapped facial movements to see how people react to certain things. Yeah, well, I mean, that's one thing Alec, uh, Alex Gardner, I think I read in an interview where he said, you know, our, our sci-fi universe, our future takes place 10 minutes from now. And that, I thought that was really apparent. Like even, even like that, even the Android herself, or not the Android, she's a robot. She looks kind of like an iPhone. It's sleek. Like even that mesh netting she has covering her non-organic looking parts. It's very iPhone, I, Apple, even like the wall panels, the set design, yeah. Uh, all of it's pretty Apple. It's got that cool computer geek look. What do you guys think of, like, the, you know, the opening shot where the main character wins a trip, basically the Willy Wonka ticket to Magic Land. He gets to go hang out with his boss. And it's basically really quickly set of, like, one shot. What you, would you guys think? Like, pacing-wise, you're you're thrown right into this. I didn't even notice it until you described it. I, I couldn't read what was on the screen. Like it was like somebody texting him. Oh my God, you won! No, it was like, Can I take you with before. me? I mean, completely unimportant. But no, I thought it was it was great, man. You got like one of the most in your face helicopter scenes. It's like helicopter landing. Like the sound of that helicopter in the theater was like awesome. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, y'all notice the phone was scanning his face in that first scene. Yeah, there was like it was seeing his reaction, which of course that comes up again uh, later in the movie. But I like the way that beginning starts because like they get you in, they get you out. You have that that first beginning section where you just you get the setup, and then you get all your other plot information through interactions with other characters. Yeah, I think Alex Garland uh, did a real good job, and of course uh, this is his first movie he directed, which I. I was pretty surprised. It, first film, like he's written 28 Days Later, Dread, and Sunshine. Great was, writer. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Out of the gate, strong. Yes, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Pacing, character. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I knew where the movie was going pretty early on. Yeah, you can um, kind of. Yeah. But the ride there, like he was wanting some things to be a twist, but even the ride to that moment was like oh that's so cool how he's pulling this off and do you think he was trying to do that as a twist i thought he was using all yeah, that st- I, I mean i think they were wanting you thought that you was know, a twist moment i thought yeah i think they were wanting some twist elements in it um, oh yeah i didn't read that stuff like that because i thought it was pretty on the nose you think so yeah okay we're gonna get into spoilers here uh well uh, before we go into spoilers uh i would say it's probably the, you know my favorite movie i've seen in a theater since interstellar i like this a lot more than interstellar well, we're going to disagree on that, but just leaving the theater just already like my mind is swarming with like questions and I mean, yeah, well, see, that's the way I was in Interstellar. So. I highly <laughs> recommend seeing this film. Like, I I want to see it again in the theater just cuz like I feel like there's so much visual so many visual cues I missed. It's an extraordinary film and there's a lot of visual information along with audio. Like even we were talking about after the movie. Mark, did you notice when she moves, you can hear, like, the robotics. Oh, yeah. But once she put the dress on, it was still there, but they brought it down just enough so that it she feels a little bit more human. And then until later in the movie, when her intentions start getting revealed, then it's amplified more, even though she's wearing the clothes. All right. I think we're, we definitely need to go to spoilers now, because... Uh... I want to talk a little bit more about these this twist. Let's go into that. Well, let's uh, let's take a listen to the trailer from uh, Ex Machia. How long until we get to this estate? We've been flying over his estate for the past two hours. Caleb, I'm just going to throw this out there so it's said, okay? You're freaked out. You're freaked out me meeting me, having this conversation in this room at this moment, right? Can we just get past that? The whole employer-employee thing? It's good to meet you, Nathan. It's good to meet you too, Ken. This building isn't a house. It's a research facility. And I want to talk to you about what I'm researching. You want to see something cool? How much of what happened were you prepared for like you you kind of saw it coming uh plot wise yeah not a, i don't i don't look forward in plots it's not an instinct of mine to uh unravel plots as i see them going into the plot and the twists and stuff i don't i don't ever sort of try to figure it out i just i just always just let it unfold you know when they're in the, the computer room at the end and He's like, oh, I knew you guys were talking when the power went out, so I was spying on you. And basically when the guy you think is the bad guy kind of gets revealed. No, I agree with that one. It's the guy that's doing the testing, when he when he does that reveal, like, I, I didn't see that coming, but I don't think you can actually predict that. I thought you were talking about, like, when... Um, well, you were like saying, do chick. you think they're supposed to be twists? And I was talking about, like, the chick... Um, um, the the robot. There's an Asian woman that's constantly serving him, who's also a robot. Yeah, but you don't you don't find that out till later. But I thought that was just so well, implied. It's, it's very implied. I could kind of tell that there was a little. You know, the the test wasn't as much. Can you see if she? Tell me if you think this AI works. And then I could tell she was like manipulating for her own reasons. The whole point of what I'm saying is that like. Even if you somebody tells you the end of this movie, still go watch it. it the ride is worth it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it's not like, you know, an M. Night Shyamalan movie where if you know the ending, it's not really worth watching. Like, you can w- know the ending of this movie and still enjoy every second of it. I think this is less of, like, what's actually happening and, like, 
more about how the story is actually being told. Right. And how you're being shown things because, you know, that's like all the conversations are very like everybody's playing games and. Yeah, everybody's playing everybody. Yeah, one character will say one thing and then somebody will say something else. And it's like, ooh, what does that mean? You know, you could take that two different ways. Who's screwing who in this movie? Right. Kind of has a, it's got, it's got a little bit of a thriller uh, vibe to it that slowly unravels as the movie goes on. Which I guess, uh, do, do we even go over what this movie was about? So, like, this this guy wins the, the golden ticket to go to meet the guy that in this world has, has made Google. Pretty much. His character's name is Nathan, right? The boss? Yeah, Nathan. Nathan. He brings this guy out there uh, under the guise that he wants him to test this AI that he has created to see if it's a true AI. But basically, he, he's, he's wanting this guy who you find out is himself, the, the tester, is a brilliant code programmer. The Nathan character is constantly trying to talk him back into just talking emotions and what do you think of this thing that I've created? How does it make you feel? You automatically gets the sense from the very beginning that's that not all is upfront with Nathan. Like you're trying to find out what does he really want this guy here for. I mean, there was a, like a, a time in the movie where I thought that like, are you talking about the mask in the wall? Yeah, because I didn't realize that those were robot faces until she went up and touched them. I, are they? Yeah, I thought they were like. Right? Isn't that what they're supposed to be on the wall? Like, he's, like, right outside the guy's room, the computer programmer's yeah, room? Yeah, I don't know. Aren't those, like, different versions of the robots, all the prototypes? Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, but they were, like, maybe, like, all decayed because it's material. I thought they were the molds. Oh. Oh, is that oh, what they were, okay. the original? I, I have, I, that's what I thought. Oh. But I feel like that's a lot of what this movie is. They show you something. Everything in this film comes back at the end of this movie. Like, every little bit of information we get, it all comes, it all comes back. And you get to see it again in... I don't want to say new light, but, you know, a different... Shed you know some light saying? on the subject. Yeah. When guy gets there, he's 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 doing this test with the, a- with the AI, and he's challenged to talk to her and see if it, the artificial intelligence... Is true artificial intelligence, or is it just sophisticated programming? Right. A way to word it would be, could the tester convince himself that this thing is conscious? Like right. if he if he eventually convinces himself that it's not fake that this thing is like a real conscious being then that passes the test. And then later you find out that the real test was can my AI make this guy fall in love with her? Which led to one of the questions I left in the movie was did Nathan believe he had truly invented an AI? It shows the scene where he's telling her like basically programming her to, you know, do this with him. Earlier in the movie, he was talking about like an AI would act without programming; it would just learn. Well, yeah, that's well, that's the thing about this movie. I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one thing, and I'll, I'm gonna do both of them, and you decide which one happened for what reason. Yeah, and everybody's gonna get their own opinion on why things happen. Like, why do you think he cut his arm? Well, he he cut his arm to see if he was a robot. I mean, that would have to fuck with you. you oh, know? Yeah. oh yeah. I guess his secretary or sex doll or. I don't know, it's it's weird because he has sex with this woman that serves him, but he can't speak a word of whatever language she's supposed to speak. You know, he says that the AIs can have sex. He's made them to where they can have sex and they enjoy it. Yeah, they're programmed to enjoy it. But yeah, she takes her her skin off like around her eye, and you can see it, and that that kind of freaks him out. And he's like, "Well, sh- shit, am I a fucking robot? What the hell's going?" I thought it was a nice like uh, you know Blade Runner Deckard moment. I mean, before that even happened, I was like. I was going down this weird path in my mind, like the the girl was like the previous tester, and he had like somehow turned Trapped her, her brain, turned inside. her yeah, turned her into that. That's that's what yeah. I was. I was like, and of course they show this guy; he has a scar on him. So you're you're like, eh, that's an old scar, but still, why pick this guy? That's the thing that keeps coming back. Why this guy? Was well, they, he, was they he explain picked? it in the movie. But, but who really picked him? Was it her? Was well, it it? Or was it? No, or, it was Nathan. Well, he, yeah. he even designed her face to look like but, what Nathan looks up in porn. Yeah, but Nathan could have picked him based on whatever algorithm he was given. To see, like this is my guy. No, he designed. They explained that part. He designed Nathan. Ava. Nathan thinks he did. Who's really in control the whole time at this place? Well, well I think he, he is because she. She just has access. She can't have input on him designing her if she doesn't exist yet. But she's not the only one. 
She's just the latest version. See, I don't think that her exists in her. I think it exists in the whole freaking network of everything. No, or then she no, because they no. show they show her brain in the movie. They show because he picks it up and he's like, "Hey, look, this is this, this is, is Ava's whole conscious." Right, being. but she's she's like, and if she, she was in, if he had made her to where she was in charge of the whole network, then he wouldn't have had to put the little camera in to spy on what they were saying. He would know that oh, Ava's turning off the fucking power. So how can she do that though? Is that just one of her powers that he programmed her? To no, have? she said. No, she, she said that she when said she, she touches the bat, the chargers on the wall, it shorts out. She's figured out how to reverse the polarity of the charge, and it shorts ah, out the that's system. That's what it was. I didn't get the whole. That's why details kept, of that charger thing on the wall. Yeah, that's why she kept putting her hand up, and the power would go right. out. Right. And then that one scene at the very end, he's like, you know, and they show it in the first, it. the first right. time the power goes out. He's watching her on the monitor, and she reaches down on her chair. Oh, so it's on the chair, too. Yeah, okay. and I didn't touches that. the things on the chair. That slipped past me. Na- yeah, even Nathan has scanned this guy's internet porn and creates her face to be, like, his ideal girl. So right. that when he gets there, there is, like, every reason in the world this guy's going to fall for her. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised he doesn't fuck her in the movie. I mean, like, yeah, she even as a robot, she's kind of hot. Yeah, I was really surprised because there's like so much sexual tension. Like, I think it's like yeah, it's, it's really like three. When she starts interviewing him, they start talking about the date. Well, there's a she cool scene where on. she goes, "Close your eyes, I want to show you something." Yeah, and by this point, she's already started hinting that she likes him, and then she she goes into her closet and she comes back wearing a wig and clothes. So that she looks more human. And it was around that point that I was like, oh, she's trying to escape. Well, yeah. And she starts doing uh, this really weird thing where she can read his his face, like his facial expression and see whether he's lying or not. And could you imagine how annoying that would be if like somebody in your real life could do that? Ugh. Hey, what time did you go to bed? Eh, four, you're lying. Shit. Uh, <laughs> 4.15, you're lying. And she, she calls him out and she makes him answer some tough questions and that... That's really like our. That's our backstory of uh, what's the guy's name? I think it's the Caleb character. And I love his re- yeah. her reaction when he tells her that his parents had died. That was the first hint that you could tell she has a fear of this being turned off. The movie goes out of its way to like present you with these emotional scenarios for her, so you can really latch on her being an emotional thing. And then in the next scene, the tester guy, he's like, well, you know, that could just be a, an algor- a algorithm that you wrote to emulate that emotion. Like, how do we know this is a genuine emotion? And Yeah, it really it brings up the question. constantly knocks down its own walls. And what we were talking about earlier, like, if you go into the movie at, with the mindset that it, it, a machine is a machine. Okay, so she has reached this point of self-awareness. Does he have the right as her her maker to just turn her off when he wants to keep her in this little room that he's made for, never let her go outside? Because in his mind, she's a machine. He made her. But in her mind, she is a self-aware being. Caleb, who now, you know, is he meets her, he falls for her, and he starts demonizing Nathan, the inventor, for keeping this robot that he made in a room and openly is going to turn her off because he thinks he can make her better but not before he downloads her brain right but the 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 morality question there is does nathan have a right to do that the movie goes out of its way to demonize him a little bit for that and kind of make him like oh he's such an asshole he's going to turn this robot off that that's that's scared of being turned off but then in the end, you find out that, you know, well, that would probably have been the best thing. Well, it would have been the best thing for him, but not for her. I would say a majority of the film is, it's mo- it, she she becomes a protagonist in the film. Like, she's the only character that's not a terrible human being. See, I, I think she becomes the antagonist because she cold-bloodedly kills Caleb for no other reason than she doesn't care. No, she does it to get away because he's he was going to break out with her. They were going to go together, and and he and she doesn't kill him, Brian. She doesn't. She locks him in a room that he can never get out of without any food. 
Yeah, or well, water. I'm just saying he may have um, now. She may have come back, you know, in no, like a couple she, weeks. And she, she's like, oh fuck, I he forgot. Has, he has He's a couple not a of robot. days. He has a couple of days <laughs> to sit in there and and die of thirst. That's what the movie is. Well, you know what, serves him right because all he wanted to do was like bone her anyway. So, oh yeah, he wanted to help her escape. <laughs> Put his life on the line to help her escape, and then she saw him laying there and leaves him to die. And he's even like so in love with this machine that when she says, Stay here, he watches her like put on the skin, get ready. He's thinking, We're leaving together. He should have left the room at that point. Yeah, I probably would have left the room. It, it depends on how you look at it. If, if you fall, if you fall in the category where because her programming allows her to be self-aware, then she has the right to survive, then you can say she's the protagonist of the film. If you fall in the category to where she is a machine, and because Nathan made her, he ha- he is she is his property, and under all that thought that she can do, she still just wires and computer programming. Yeah, There's no run- blood. She's running his software. I mean, if you have to put it into a box like that, you would have to say that she did wrong to leave. But, but she did what any other human would do in the exact same situation. But can, yeah. can machines have morals? Uh, That's the question. Well, you got to teach them morals. And this goes into another thing where, well, like, and it's even brought up program. Like, are you born knowing this or is this behavioral that is, that is learned? She's being mistreated. She's being locked into this room. She's being shown that humans don't value life very much. So at the end of the movie, when she kills that one dude and locks that other guy up in the room, she's really just treating them the same way that she was. If you have this new being that's learning something for the first time, and this is this is all they know. This is like this is her birth moment. Like you know what I mean? Like she's only been I, alive for a couple months. I think Caleb shows her that humans aren't all like that by offering to help her escape. And she shows him love in return. By killing him. Well, she didn't kill Caleb. She leaves him in the room. To die. She does not go get him. She she does not even leave the door unlocked so he can figure out his own way. She doesn't even, like, go break his leg so that he might not be able to catch her, catch the helicopter. Well, here's one small detail. He He just kills him. Look, Caleb is resourceful, right? She she just kills him. He may have been the best coder at the company, maybe. If on day four of him in there with no water dying in this locked-up room, insane by this point... I think he would have probably preferred her to stick the knife in his chest like he did. She did to Nathan, which is oh man, was that not a one of the best scene? stabbing scenes ever? What were you going to say, Mark? Oh, well, I found it interesting that when she was leaving, and Caleb is at the door pleading for his life, she never looked at him once, even when she turned around in the elevator. Is that's not very human? I agree. I think that's the point that she's not human. No, that's right. She's the next step in evolution, and that's what the that's some of the Nathan guy believes. That's what he's not really because her well, battery her, he batter, her batteries are going to run out out there. She's just going to be at her intersection and just be like, oh. "What's <laughs> no good point? How's she going to charge out in the real world, man? Man, she was she was causing electricity to like shut off by that's touching pro- stuff. That's She's pro- just going to touch some stuff. That's and proprietary it. shit." Because he and he, because Nathan, her inventor, created battery ports that she could touch, just like Jurassic Park. Once they get out, the enzymes. Well, see, that's it. She's she's just Caleb's not dead. She's just going to visit that intersection. She's going to come I, right I back. What I want to know is why you have so much sympathy for the machine. Well, because as point. opposed to the human. I mean, that come on, look, dude. She invented looks, her. She's she's well, okay. Let's look at the guy that invented her. He's he's a total pompous ass. He has the the best, the funniest joke in the entire movie is where the uh the caleb guys he says some line like uh you know when you create artificial intelligence it's kind of like god and then later in the movie he's like you remember when you called me god uh, see i think that was a lot of that was an act to go along with making because remember well no he, he's still pompous ass even tells, when he dies what's that line he has what, what, what does he say at the end he's he's even fucking making jokes when he's on his deathbed oh, and he, yeah. he's got a nice well, oh yeah he's a funny dude but he makes a point to tell Caleb in the scene where they're in the with the computer and he's showing Caleb that I knew what y'all were doing <clears throat> he makes the point 
to tell him all I had to do was become the bad guy for her and you. So he was doing that on purpose. But in that scene, he's also letting Caleb off the hook for fixing to steal his prop- property. But no, it, no, it, he, it, he, it doesn't because we also see footage in that same scene. Like, well, in the scene before, we, sh- we see all the footage of the robots like beating against the door, screaming to be let out, and they're smashing their hands. On the walls. But those were defective machines. Those were not living beings. But we don't know that. We don't even know if this chick, by the end of the movie, we don't know if she is true AI or not. It's still artificial. He made it. Look how it's shot. It's shot, it's shot in a horror movie sense. It's not, it's not shot in a scene where it's like, oh, that's a defective robot. It's not like how from 2001. I, that's, I think that's the brilliance of the, of the film is that it's shot. It's, it's yeah. shot for the most part until the ending to build sympathy for her. If you really think about it, Nathan is lifting weights every day. It's not to like protect himself from Caleb. I think he knows what these things are capable capable of, capable of and that's why he punched the guy out and he got dumbbell stick. And he was ready to obliterate these machines because he you saw true fear on his face when he stepped into the hall. Well, yeah, well, I mean, the chick a, is running straight at him. But it was a total moment of... It was before she ran. It Caleb was like, has fucked up. Well, yeah, he's like... He doesn't things, understand what he yeah, has just let out. These things cannot get out of here. We had the robot conversation. What, what went, went on to make the other robot... The you know what? What I, what I assume was... Um, programming she reprogrammed the asian chick i don't think so i think it was the, the or did whole... she say something to appeal toward her humanity man no it was no, the illusion. she was not even artificial intelligence the illusionist trick well we i'm don't gonna that. go run towards this guy he's gonna completely forget about you well he kept all the artificial intelligence locked up he let the asian chick walk around she acted on command she never spoke yeah she was his pet robot i think ava reprogrammed her to turn against him. By whispering something in her ear. By saying some code into her ear and touching her. Huh. Well, so why was she? Why was the Asian chick peeling her skin off on her own then? All the machines in the movie are right. expressing some kind of humanity. Jeremy's saying like he whispered a code, but like, what if she just went up in, into the girl's ear and said something like, you can, you can be free if you kill him. The movie never gives you the answer, which is what makes it so great. Did we find out what they talked about when the Asian chick came into what's her name's room? She said, "Who are you?" He just cuts oh away. yeah yeah uh, it just cuts away. The same like when he cuts himself in the in the bathroom. He, he cuts himself to see if he's a robot. Like he he does that cut and he starts to look up look into his arm and it looks away. And you just never know. That looks so real. except for the blood. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know. Could you add that in? I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I think it's just to show you that, no, he's not a robot, but they never show you what's inside. Like, right. they don't... Alex Gardner is fucking with you the entire film. The only thing that was kind of jarring about the film are those the big title cards where they're like, Session 1, or like, Ava, Session 2. And they, they just, they slam in, and we that's when we get each one of our conversations where he's interviewing the AI. Yeah, it didn't bother me at all. It didn't bother you at all? And it even paid off on a- Ava Session 7. Yes, yeah, that was. I did think that was that was good. Like, cinematography-wise and shot choice-wise, where you talked about it, where she starts questioning him and the way the camera moves, and you see kind of the split pane of her where it looks almost like there's two of her. Oh, um, yeah. Really visually showing that, oh, there's two sides to this. I really do. I think that... That's where the movie like really just sold me on everything were those interview scenes. I thought those were so well done and so well acted. For a movie that was only, what, you said $16 million budgeted? Yeah, it was uh, 11 million uh, euros, so that's like $16.4 million, I think. Yeah, that's pretty amazing CGI work. Because you can totally see through her every time, and it's... And you can look for flaws. The scenes are so long, and you don't see them. Yeah, you can see your wires and the lights. Just detail. Yeah. And I thought, going back to what we were talking about earlier, on the scenes where you're you're falling for her, where you're supposed to feel sympathy for her, you're seeing wires. But once she becomes a killer and is moving out into the world, she's fully skinned. She looks like a human, but we know she's not. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was the only effect I didn't like in the movie. Like, well, taking... I like the way she looks with all of her skin on. No, no, I mean, I mean I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, no, she, she's very attractive. She starts uh, taking body parts from an, another robot, and she puts her skin on, and it's got this real cool like patchwork where you can see the seams where it's being connected. And I thought that was awesome. And then molds together like there's some that kind was, of invisible laser or heat or something. That was the only bit of effects that sort of took me out of it for a second. I would have preferred it if we just cut to that shot and there was no scene. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I totally um because I agree with what Mark said about like the material looked soft. When like she it twists, would, yeah, when she yeah. twists the arm off of the girl in the closet, you and you see like because I'm I'm automatically looking. Okay, she's gonna twist this off, and I'm like, where's the seam gonna be? The tissue to me looked so realistically like soft, right? That I could see the seam just that like it would completely. Just, but the right. shot where you see all the seams, yeah. and then you see them erasing. I would have rather just there be no seams. Technology, though, Jeremy. Technology in this film is so. So it's the sci-fi part of it. The technology's there, so you have to accept that you can't see the seams. I, I'm no, you're you're misunderstanding. I'm fine with not seeing the seams. What I did not like was seeing the seams disappear. and then seeing the seams uh, disappear. But to, but imagine if you just automatically saw it in the mirror and it's like... I would have bought that because, no, 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 because you, you, it had already been shown the other AIs had their skin on, there were no right. seams. The shot with the arm, which is amazing, just like you said, it looks soft. You can see how it would like come together, and right. realistically, there would be no seam. So, yeah, if I would have just seen the shot with no seams, I yeah. would not have questioned it. Right, but I, but by putting the seams there, they he he caused us to question it. I don't. This conversation it. would not be happening if there had <laughs> never been any seams no, on that shot. But the but the <laughs> fact is, is that those seams disappear. When the camera goes from one mirror to another, that like no, she's standing still, and they just the start erasing. But it's when you go from the the mirror that's at this angle to the mirror that's at this angle that shows her face. That's when it disappears, and I think it's more of a symbolic type. Yeah, I disagree with that. So wait, you're reading it as like she? This is how she sees her new body. I read it as it's it's like the most overt symbolic thing in the film. Obviously, she just put all these pieces of skin on, so you see these seams. But then in this pane of the mirror, when you get to her face with her looking at herself, that's when they disappear. But you see them being traced out, like you see like the electronic of it. Yeah, I don't absolutely. I don't think that's supposed to be symbolic in her mind. I think it's supposed to be that whatever that exoskeleton she has is now like pushing the skin or something. Right. I mean, I think it could be. It could be both. I got to go back and look at it again. Like, well, there's a lot going on there, and that that's where the CGI is maybe a little. It it looks like CGI. Say any final words, guys. I liked it a lot. Thought it was great. Excellent. Go see it, Mark. Uh, same thing too. It's a. It's not trying to be too ambitious. That's what I like about it. By no means is this trying to be like the biggest sci-fi movie in the world. I think it's pretty clear we all liked it. Yeah, I thought it was a great little character piece, little intimate story that takes place on an amazing set and leaves you, you know, asking yourself questions. We don't even agree on the answers to those questions, and we still like it. So, well, I mean, I don't, I don't think it really like it, it doesn't answer anything. No, but, but your own personal. Yeah, I, that's this is like what I love about good sci-fi. Like when we were talking about Interstellar, and I was like, man, I don't want all these questions answered. I want all these questions answered. This is exactly what I was talking about. This gave me my sci-fi fix of like, ooh, what does this mean? Ooh, what does that mean? And I'm going to be able to watch this movie and take... Yeah, but I, I thought mean, Interstellar was a much broader idea. Trey said that movie changed his life. Really? Yeah. I don't know about that. That's Well, that's what a person said. You yeah, cannot I, change what they I, said. I can, I, mean, I can make them, make them reevaluate their statement is what I can make them do. Brian, Jeremy, you guys are great hosts. Thank you for having me. <sighs> Oh man! Hey, thanks for coming on the show. Stop uh, kissing! I had, up. I had a I had a blast. Do you want to give out uh, information where people can find you on the internet, on the interweb, on Blue Book? Mark the Egon on Twitter that's, that's at Mark Twitter. the Egon. That's it. Benson, where can they find more about you? Girlinwoods.com. There you go. 
All right, don't touch that dial just yet, because we also talked to Gary Swamy about what he thought of the film. We weren't able to get everybody together in the same room and uh, record all at the same time. Our schedules just wouldn't allow. So we also talked to uh, Mr. Swamy um, about what he thought of Ex Machina. Gary Swamy, Gary, say hello. Hey, how you doing? Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Gary, like oh, your hey. film, filmmaking yeah, saw, background and stuff. I know Brian and Jeremy and Mark. We saw Ex Machina yesterday, and... Uh, I don't know what to say about myself. I'm a movie enthusiast. Yeah, well, you know, you, you did Headshot. You oh, yeah, I made a, uh, a web series. So there's just not much to say about that. <laughs> Got good reviews, minimal views, and uh, we were nominated for awards, didn't win anything, and that's it. All right, all right. Well, you want to tell people where they could find that, maybe? Like, is there, like, you know, is there a website they can go to, something like that, you know? I mean, if they're super cool, they can go to the website. It's uh, <clears throat> shotcollarstudio.com, all one word. And we have a motherload of content, basically. We have not only all five episodes of the show, uh, which make up more than five hours total, we have teasers. For all the main characters, we have a whole bunch of artwork that was done specifically for the show, as well as a bunch of other goodies. So yeah, www.shotcollarstudio.com if you have any interest in head shops, bath salt, spice, drugs, crime, murder, robberies, uh, general entertainment, nudity, anything like that. If any of that interests you, then you should probably go check it out. See, look, you can't get information out of filmmakers. You just have to pry it out with a crowbar. See, this, this happens every single time. Well, the sec- this is the second time it's happened. So anyway, uh, Ex Machina, what, what did you think, man? Oh, well, it's pronounced Ex Machina. Okay, one. that's Ex for Machina. sure. Yeah. Ex Machina, <clears throat> whatever. It's, okay. I'm stupid, all right? It's fucking, it's, <laughs> it's Latin, it's a dead fucking language. Fuck them. Anyway. I think, I think the... I have a feeling that they, that most of the people who saw this movie are fairly pretentious because they just sort of like enjoyed the idea of seeing something called Ex Machina. Um, that was, I, there were people in line ahead of me at the movie theater who were incredibly pretentious and you would punch them at bars. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was the best movie I've seen in the theater since There Will Be Blood. It was a complete wow. movie. Like since everything. There Will Be Blood? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that may say something. Yeah, I know, I think so. Like, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a complete movie. It was a totally like self-contained story. It was extremely well done. Um, I won't say it's like a work of genius by any means, but it was true. It was it was excellent in every way. Wow, that is just the that's just a glowing review right there. Now yeah, some you might get box art cover for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about getting a poster for that. Like last year, I only have. Uh, only posters I have are There Will Be Blood and Spot P- Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. So. Yeah, There Will Be Blood, that's a great poster. Yeah. What's, what does that poster look like? It's like the one with Daniel Day-Lewis, and he's, he's down in the corner. He's, he's sitting, sitting, it's a the shot of him sitting on a, a stool watching his, his rig burn. I, haven't, I actually haven't seen that movie, so. <gasps> oh, that's so sad. No, no, yeah, no, no, we're going to open your eyes. That's a great movie. That's, that's really ah, great. Yeah, it's, it's on the list of like... I want to see this movie, and I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Ah, we all have those. So one thing that came up in our conversation yesterday, who do you consider to be the protagonist of this film? The protagonist in the classic sense would, of course, be, I'm not trying to say his name, Domhnall Gleeson. Oh, yeah, the Caleb character. Yeah, I would yeah. say it's, it's him. He's the one with whom the, he is the, I mean, the camera follows him. Like, he's the main guy. Only, it's, I mean, the camera is third-person omniscient, well, it's third-person limited. You know, it mostly follows him, but there are some, like, sometimes you see shots of other things, but for the most part, it's from his perspective. And, yeah, he is the classic protagonist. He's the one who represents the viewer, essentially. Like, we don't know what's going on. We're following him into the story, and we find out along with him what is actually going on, because it's, as it turns out, it, nothing is what it seems. If just because she is programmed to be self-aware, does that give her the right to like kill both of them to get out? Which eventually what ends up turning her into the antagonist of the film at the end of it. Um, or does she become the hero by letting setting herself free? I feel about her the same way I do about vampires. They live by a different code, essentially. They're not humans. 
She's not human. She was, was made by humans. Yeah, that was sort of the vampires the, were once human. The route I took is that she sort of becomes like the Frankenstein monster. She's the monster of the film. Well, well, no, that's 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 not totally true. I mean, we are humans. We can judge her based on. We obviously judge her based on our own preconceptions and what we believe to be right. But you know, like you, part of being human is is this notion of putting yourself in other people's shoes. Is like anthrop- we anthrop- we naturally anthropomorphize her, which is reasonable since she was made by human. And she looks human, but you know, like again, it's like the vampire thing. They don't live by our rules. Like she's a robot. Right. She doesn't live by our rules. She doesn't have to. She can if she wants to. Uh, but like, if she doesn't, okay, fine. She's still a robot, you know. Yeah, it got into a pretty heavy debate last night on stuff like um, Nathan created her. Does he have the right to turn her off? Is she his property? Or because he's programmed her to be self-aware, does that take away his right to own her? Rights are a very human idea. Like it's, they're truly a societal idea. And what, what, what matters, and this is obviously clear from the movie, is like, like right, right is generated by power. Nathan kept all his creations in that room by force. That's just how it was. Like he, he had control. Then, you know, through various circumstances, he lost control and the robot had the power. You know, the robot, uh, with the aid of the other robot, Kyoko, murdered their creator. And poor Caleb. Wow, like he actually used her name. I kept calling her the Asian chick. This is just sort of basic fact. All rights stem from, you know, power and how we choose to use it. And so, like, yeah, like, Caleb, Nathan was able to... Well, I disagree with that all rights come from power. Like, I think some rights come from moral code. Like, we don't just say you can't, you don't have the right to go kill people because somebody in power said that. That's a... Morality well, we a, issue. We don't live in a dictatorship. If we did, then perhaps, you know, certainly there are people who. I mean, who if think I was the dictator, then yeah, like, you could kill people. Just because she is, you know, she has been programmed to be self aware, does, does that mean she'll be able to have empathy for other people? He kept them in the room because he knew they were dangerous. He knew that they didn't have empathy for other people yet, that he hasn't gotten to that stage. So it's like he's created this monster. He knows what it can do, but he knows it's not safe to let it out. I don't know that that's true at all. He let Kyoko out. That was one of his creations. She couldn't talk, but he let her out. I don't think she was as advanced as Ava. Well, yeah, I think they they, they made that kind of clear. I think she was sort of a sex slave robot. No, no, if you saw the screen, she was version 4, and Ava was version 9.6. Yeah, she was obviously not as advanced as Ava, but right. yeah, no, she, she was, was more advanced than some of the others. Yeah, and you know, it's still like they showed like very clearly in that one in a certain scene, like she understood what was happening. She's cutting the sushi, and she's the, definitely listening. To she was them. listening. She is not. She is not. See, I took that as that, a true she automaton is learning. Well, like, at the very least, it means she's aware. Right. She's like, learning she a little bit more than he thinks she can. Sure. No, it's a. It's a <clears throat> It's a creator who lost control of his... Ultimately, he lost control of his creations. As to why he kept them in there, he gave you... He told you why. He said, look, you know, like, this is the, this is the riddle I have set for my, for, for my robots. Get out of the fucking box. You know, to be a billionaire and a genius, the guy was kind of a fucking idiot with his security system. So the power goes out, and he's, like, locked himself into his room. <laughs> he's like, man, I can't get out. Fucking well, power outlet. I, I suspect that, that Nathan could have gotten out. I'm assuming. Well, I don't know. Did that guy get out idea. at the end, though? Caleb might die. He might not die. Oh, he's um, dead. She doesn't give a crap. That's what matters. She doesn't care. He could get out. She's just gone. Like she looks at him. She glances over at him and then looks away. I don't know. I always kind of read it like that one scene where uh, it's that one session where he tells her what he's there to do. That he's there to test her. And he starts talking about the woman that sees black and white, and she goes outside, she sees color. Yeah, and you see her expression change in, in that scene. And then, like, the next session, she's, she's asking him the questions, and she's, like, the perfect lie detector. I always feel like that was her moment where she kind of, like, she decided that she could kill him. I mean, basically, like, this is just how it played out. And, you know, again, like, I don't think she ever cared, and she would ever care. You don't think she would ever care? No. But I think she was actually genuinely interested in him when Why he entered the room. No, I don't, oh, I don't oh think that she was interested in him as a creature. Remember, again, like, Kyoko walked in, and she's like, she had, never, she had never seen Kyoko before. She'd never seen anyone except for Nathan until Caleb came in. And so she realizes, like, okay, 
I think okay. the moment you're you're referring to, in my opinion, is the moment she decides, okay, I can I might be able to use this guy to, to actually escape. I, at the end of the movie, I do think it's kind of her story that you know it, it, she is she is able to like get out of the room through any means necessary. She was being like tortured, well, not tortured, but she's she's being caged up. Does she actually have a lack of empathy or is like is that her learned behavior? I still have a hard time like feeling sorry for robots. Well, yeah, she, she was a really cute robot, like you said, man. She was a hot robot. Jerry's like, I'm not even, I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gary, you would touch it. <laughs> Perhaps. If you were in the room by yourself with a robot and she was like, it does work, you would be like, oh, well, you know. I think somebody even made the point that, you know, hey, there's flashlights. That's right. I mean, it's, it's, it's evolution, baby. It's where we're headed. You know, pretty soon our iPhones will have uh, a different shape to them. Just like the new Mac towers are, uh, they're already singular. So we're working toward it, baby. Uh, part of what I liked about the movie is it's a simple story and it's told. So I forget who said this, but I think it was a friend. Some, it, was some, it, was, it wasn't Lumiere, but it was someone like that. Like the art of movie making is telling a story in such a way that it is both surprising and inevitable. And that's sort of like what Alex Garland managed to do with this movie. Like you think about everything that happened from the beginning to the end was telegraphed. But as we're experiencing it, it's, it's, in, it's surprising and interesting at the same time. This is a story about agency and who, who does what. Like, you know, like Nathan, uh, played by Oscar Isaac, is, is the creator and Ava asks him, you know, towards the end, like, what does it feel like to have made something that hates you? That says so much about why he is the way, he is an angry, like not angry, just sort of a, a bitter, sad dude who's in control. Like you give something, like any parent would know this, like you create something that is its own thing, has its own awareness and its own will. Like it's gonna do things that you don't expect. And that's ultimately what happened. Like, he lost control of his creation, you know. And there was, a, there was several, like, significant quotes throughout the movie. There was an obvious one from the Bhagavad Gita, like, you know. Um, hey, come on, come on. It, it, it's Oppenheimer. They're quoting Oppenheimer. Yeah, and on. there were a couple of others. But there was one line I can't remember. It's when he was, pass, he was about to pass out drunk, and he was talking about the good a man does in the world. And that sort of speaks to, like, when he's super drunk and about to pass out, that's what's going through his head. It's like, look, I'm doing a good, this is why he's doing, this is basically him explaining, like, why he's actually in the middle of nowhere, living this fucked up life by himself, sad and lonely. He's living a total simulation of life. He's lifting weights. He's punching, he's punching punching bags. He's not actually doing anything. He's having sex with robots that he makes. Yes, that's right. He's just like, (laughs) this is why he's doing what he's doing. He's a true believer. Besides that, the acting was excellent throughout. Oscar Isaac was really good. Alicia Viscander was really good. And even uh, Dominal Gleeson was really good. I mean, he, his role was the easiest role. He just had to be like a normal dude. But yeah, he, did, he was solid. He's good at it. He was good at that in Frank. Just a normal dude. Yeah, I haven't seen Frank yet. You should see Frank. It's good. Yeah. It's, about, it's, about, it's about music and creativity and what you're willing to do. And about a guy that wears a really big paper mache head. Yeah, no, it's Michael Fassbender plays, plays uh, the guy yeah. who wears the big paper mache head. Frank. Yeah, in a rock band, right? Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's a good movie. Is, but he's not the lead singer, though, obviously, right? Who, Michael Fassbender? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. He's Frank. Wait, wait how does that work? He How's... sings through the head. Wow. Yeah, you should see the movie. It's good. All right, okay. It, it's on Netflix, so yeah. I need to get off my ass. It's, it's a good movie. When a movie works, it's, the whole is greater than some of its parts, and this was a very well-made movie, so everything worked well together. Like, the, the music was the right kind of music in the right places. The shots were good. The editing was good. The acting was good. And the story was like, it was, you know, it's a, it's a fairly slow movie. Um, you just really? Watching, you thought it was slow? Well, just, you're just watching stuff happen. You I, know, I, like there's no, there's almost no action per se. It's just that... I thought it was still fairly well-paced though. I never I Oh, never it was well-paced. Felt... That's the thing. It's not, it's not boring at any time. You know, okay, it's, well, it, is inter- it was a very, like, you are, you are absorbed throughout the movie. It's just, again, there's, no, there's almost no action at all. It's just people talking, 
people like just talking to each other, walking around, looking at things. And it's, you know, it's what you want in a movie. Like, oh, it's an interesting story that makes you think about something that's interesting. It's not like a new story by any means. Like you go back to... No, like, no, I, I don't mean, think it's new. You know, Frankenstein did that. And I'm sure there are... Well, this is just a retelling I, of Frankenstein, really. I'm sure there are Greek plays about stuff like this. You know, this is not oh, yeah. Uh, what is it? The uh, Frankenstein's the modern, modern Promethean, right? So isn't that what that, that's what Mary Shelley was going after with that? So Yeah. They're, they're making a Frankenstein movie now. This all today. Really? Why? Oh, dear fucking, why? <laughs> why? Well, apparently they, they're going to tell, tell it this time from Igor's point of view. Oh, Oh, what is that? <laughs> that makes me think of, uh, I gotta do my, uh... Daniel gotta, Ratcliffe what is, is, it, uh, is cast as, uh... Harry Potter is gonna play Igor. Fucking, uh, young Frankenstein, where he's like, Frankenstein! No, it's Frankenstein. <laughs> You're putting me on. Oh, uh, uh, that's, uh, young Frankenstein. Yeah, young Frankenstein. Yeah. What did I say? Young Einstein? I don't know. Who would I... I, I just talk. I don't listen to the words that come out. But everything about, like I said, it's extremely well made. And most importantly, it tells an interesting story in an interesting way and it makes you think about it and it's topical right it's like you know ai is not is probably not will almost certainly happen in our lifetimes you know you can very easily imagine artificial intelligence happening in our lifetimes oh dude we got to watch out for skynet yeah well maybe we should watch out for ava all right that's going to do it for us tonight um, just a couple of housekeeping things real quick. Uh, if you're on iTunes, if you could do us a favor and just uh, give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, if you want to write a review, let us know what you sh- think of the show. That would be appreciated. That helps people find us. If you want to get in touch with us, we have our email address, themoviecrew at gmail.com. And crew is spelled C-R-E-W-E, extra E at the end. And we also have a voicemail line. That number is 323 539 661. We'll play your voicemail on the air if you want us to, you know. We're also on Stitcher now, so if you if you prefer to listen to podcasts that way, uh, you can go to the Stitcher app and download that and find us there. And we'll close out the show tonight for your ear holes enjoyment. Track 10 from the Ex Machina soundtrack, Bunsen Burner. Enjoy. <laughs>